What's up, hockey and sports fans? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Drop a Puck Podcast. The latest news and information around the NHL. With your hosts, Justin Starr and Pedro Rodriguez. Welcome to the Drop the Puck Podcast, episode number 19. Pedro, huge episode is an understatement. Um, we are here with John Buchagross. As you all may know, Bucci, Maine. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on. This is an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. It's my pleasure as well. All right. So, John, um, let's first we need to know, where does your alliance stand with favorite team? Is it Pittsburgh? Um, I really, you know, what I grew up a big uh, Bruins fan. My dad was from Boston, and he raised me in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And so we always lived near, near Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, he was just a big Bruins fan because obviously, uh, the Penguins were brand new at that time. Um, like an, an expansion team and, you know, his allegiance was always with the Bruins and they obviously had a great, a great young player in Bobby Orr and they were on their way to becoming obviously a powerhouse, won two Stanley cups, probably should have won more. And so we would listen to games on the radio. He, he had this stamp collection that he used to fiddle with at night. And uh, he would order stamps in the mail and fill up these big, giant, thick albums with stamps from different countries and different eras. And he would have the game on the radio, this little AM radio. And he would keep stats on who scored the goals. And it was very, very meticulous and organized. He was born during the Depression and was went in the army to pay for college. He was a math major. He was a store manager for Sears. And so he was always very meticulous and organized. And so all these things certainly made an impression on me. I was always on his hip. He loved sports and played softball. And when he was younger, he played hockey and football. And so he was just a big sports fanatic and an emotional, intense fan and uh, player. When I watched him play softball, he was very good. And so that, 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 that left a big impression on me and we'd go to Pittsburgh a couple games a year when they were, when the Bruins would come in, sometimes non-Bruin teams. And so that was always, uh, and so I became a big uh, Bruin fan that way. And, uh, but then slowly as the, uh, I started covering the NHL on ESPN in 1998, you start meeting players, you start meeting coaches, you start meeting people around hockey, you start, uh, you know, covering the whole league I uh, I really kind of I lost my you know my fandom for for hockey in terms of getting nervous, getting anxious, getting excited, rooting for somebody, and you just because you, you start meeting people and you root for people to do well, and it's just and I always even when I was younger as a kid, if if the game was on my local broadcast and the game was on the national broadcast, I would always watch the national broadcast. Always to me, it was just television and watching television was a huge. Uh, thing to me. I didn't know it at the time. I really didn't know it until really kind of recently when I realized I was not only a sports fan, I was a television fan of, of television production, how you cover a game, the announcers, the music, the graphics. So I always thought the national broadcast was better because they, you know, they had a bigger broad, a bigger budget and usually better broadcasters, not always. Um, and so I always viewed myself too as like a, even when I was a little kid as a, a national broadcast. I want to be a national broadcaster and talk to the whole country. So I think all those factors together kind of led me to the point now where I don't really have a favorite team. Interesting. I like that answer. 
answer. <laughs> um, now, let's get into the hashtag Bucci Overtime Challenge. This started back, I believe, in the 2012 NHL playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the 2012 playoffs where, you know, playoff, um, it's the playoffs, and you, you pretty much pick one player from each side. They'll tweet at you with the, you know, the hashtag, and they'll, you know, try to guess who's going to score the game-winning goal. Um, how many people do you have, you know, actually putting the hashtag every single playoff game? I, I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, I, I know, I, I know, I did uh, an interview with Twitter once because they were kind of interested in, in the game, and they got some either they got numbers or ESPN's computer people got numbers. And I thought it won for you know, I know one game. It was a couple years ago. It was something like twenty four thousand or something. It was just kind of a, a surreal giant number, which I didn't really quite understand or, or anything. I still don't quite understand it, but I know it, <laughs> I know a lot of people play and, you know, it, it'll trend worldwide and in the United States wide. And uh, it's like, yeah, I don't really know what that means, but yeah, I always thought it amusing that you'd see, you know, when you look at the worldwide trends, it would be like, what did your number one would be like, you know, Vladimir Putin. Number two would be, what did Rihanna have for, what did Rihanna have for dinner? And three would be the Bucci overtime challenge. It'd be so funny to see it, it, it kind of in the sandwich of like these hip hop uh, kind of things or world news. And there's the Bucci overtime challenge. It always made me laugh. I thought it was always kind of funny. And, uh, you know, but it's just it, for some reason, yeah, you know, it's a game we used to play when I did NHL tonight on ESPN. You know, we would be waiting for the game to end, kind of like the NBC crew does now. They, when the playoffs are on, they probably wait for the game to end, and they start to they do the little show afterwards. I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know what they call it. Um, you know, our office was obviously NHL tonight. A little yeah. better break. You you remember that better. Um, they should probably give their show a name. And and, um, and and so we would you know we would so the game would go to overtime. And like oh boy, you know it's going to be a late night because we stay until the game ends and then do a half an hour. So we don't really know when we're going to leave yet. And so we'd all throw a dollar on the set and just pick a guy um, uh, to score the overtime goal. And, you know, if your guy happened to score, you took the other two bucks and the show started. If not, you all put the dollar back in your pocket and start the show. And so, so I remember the soon after I joined Twitter, like you said, I think it was 11 or 12, one of those playoffs. Um, I, was, I think I was actually in the, uh, I think I was in the parking lot. I went to a playoff game in Boston and I was in the party. Another game was going to overtime. Um, or maybe it was even that game I was at and said, Hey, and it's just, I remember that game we played at NHL tonight. So I said, let's hey, uh, we'll pick one player in each team. So I, I decided to do both teams. Most pools do one player Our we always did one player, but for some reason I felt like, why not do both teams? Cause there's fans of both teams watching. People always want to pick their own guy. And, uh, and, and plus you give people two chances to win. There's, you know, there's all kinds of, there's, you know, there's lots of skaters out there. There's, there's, 36 skaters mm-hmm. total on both teams just you know increase it a little bit and so uh so i did i did, I did both teams like I, I said i'll retweet you know 10 people who get it right and because yeah. at the time obviously retweeting was a, is a currency that that people like to get um when, when they first joined twitter and uh so so that, that was kind of how it started i couldn't believe the reaction i go wow look at all these people playing this little game and then started to really build it, it. And after about three or four or five or six times, it got bigger and bigger. Whoa, this is really taken off here. And that's what I remember. I tweeted out saying, Hey, maybe I'll make a t-shirt next year and, and we'll give away some t-shirts and maybe I'll sell them as well. And I'll give the money to charity. 
And then you, know, you learn on, on Twitter, if you, if you get a certain number of responses, you could kind of multiply that by a lot. It means, you know, you get seven people saying something, it, it really means a lot more than that because not everybody responds, but it does give you a pretty good idea what people are thinking. If, if, if enough people respond, you could multiply that by a certain number. So I took a chance and bought, I think it was, a, you know, a, I think maybe a, a thousand t-shirts, um, and uh or maybe 500 i can't quite remember and i said oh boy i hope i'm not stuck with all these t-shirts <laughs> and sure enough and sure enough i sold them all in like you know maybe you know maybe four or five months and then it just built and built and, and i started adding hats and stuff and yeah. and you know and then called the college hockey stuff which is separate but it's still gets <laughs> all together and you know i've give, given away over two hundred thousand dollars to hockey charities and and um and certainly grossed a lot more buying all the stuff and paying for the stuff and paying for the envelopes and paying for the postage. So um, if it's whatever is left, you know, I give away to these, either if these hockey charities or people who are leading hockey charities, like a cancer foundation, things like that. And, uh, and um, yeah, I strayed a little bit, like we had, had an employee raise money for Puerto Rico, to Puerto Rico. So certainly that's not exclusively a hockey charity, but I figure there's, I'm sure there's somebody in Puerto Rico who's a hockey fan. So I kind of, you know, I kind of look at it like that, like, okay, hey, you know, to help out as much as I can and, and to give uh, some more money than I could on my own. And people always know when they buy a hat or something, it's going to go to a, you know, a good cause and to, towards a, a, a good cause. So, yeah, it's it just real. I can't believe how it's grown and kind of taken over by, by a uh, house space and, and taken over my life in a lot of ways. Cause it, it is almost a full-time other job. Yeah. I can only imagine. And you know what? I, I was, I've, I've gotten it right a few times and, you know, I never got that retweet. Now I understand. So I just want to say, I'm not mad at you anymore. Uh, so. <laughs> well, like, Cause yeah, I tell you, I, w- I do get anger. It's not as it used to be, but I remember when the, when the game really took off initially, people would, you know, they would tweet at me just awful names saying, I was a, you're a fraud. It's a big fake. It's fixed. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is not having the, 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 you know, this is unintended consequences I did not see coming. So I just want to clear the airwaves. Me and John are good. I am no longer mad at him for not picking me you know, right. two years ago in the playoffs. At least you got one right. I forget. I've played every single I, time. I, and I, <laughs> I can't even get one right. So, uh, but yeah. So I've, you've donated, you know, over two hundred and twenty thousand dollars to charity to date, which is just an unreal number. Um, and like you said, you you donate to several different um, charities, which is awesome um are you still on the board with you can play are you still uh yeah i i haven't you know i i assume i still am we haven't uh it's been a while since there's been any kind of communication or things like that um um uh, with them but certainly i you know i give i give a, a check just every year just about and um but yeah that was because you know initially patrick burke who works now in the NHL Department of Player Safety? His dad's Brian Burke. His obviously his brother. I wrote an article on him uh, coming out to the uh, the hockey world, especially. And then of course he he uh, he died in a car accident a couple months later. So that was obviously a tragic time. And the way Patrick wanted to obviously kind of carry the torch because Brendan was the guy that could have really brought a lot of uh, an amazing voice uh, to the issue, and he was obviously silent. So Patrick try to do what he could. And that's when he came up with that, with you can play. He has since passed it on to, to, uh, to other people, obviously because of his, how busy it is really how emotional it probably is as well for him. So, but yeah, I certainly initially jumped on that board at, at, at his request and, and, uh, and that's how that got going. 
Well, we just want to applaud you. I think it's a tremendous thing that you're doing and, you know, giving to charity is always a good thing. And, you know, I'm definitely going to buy a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to purchase one as well. Purchase one. Um, switching gears I here. Appreciate that. Of course. Uh, switching gears here. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby? Who's the best in the league? Yeah, that's a t- yeah, you know, I, I would probably still take Crosby. I think he's still young enough where he's, you know, you, you try to reach that great intersection of, of uh, talent, um, you know, youth, experience, and purpose. And, and once you reach that little that intersection, that's when you do your best stuff. And um, you know, for Crosby, a lot of times in hockey, it happens at a very young age. You know, some of the best seasons ever happen when when players are, you know, 21, 20, 22, it's not quite like other sports where sometimes the peak comes later. Um, and I, it was, it's, it's becoming that way more in other sports, but like, you know, like in the NBA, a guy's turns pro at 18 or 19, it sometimes can take a while before he's, you know, really kind of becomes the best. You know, even LeBron, it probably took six, seven years when he really kind of figured everything out, got better teammates and, Grew up a little bit. It was no longer awed by every giant hotel that he visited, you know, on the, on the road and and all these kinds of things. And and where he becomes like the best player. And baseball, obviously, sometimes you got to learn the same thing. It's a long season. Learn how to hit certain pitches, and then you become the best player a little more down the road, you know. And um, and so, but with hockey, that guys can really become the best or right among the best very quickly. You know, when when Bobby Orr was flying through the air in that famous photo when mm-hmm. he scored the over the overtime goal for the Bruins. Um, you know, he was like 21 when Greg Reski scored his 92 goals. You know, he's like he's like 21. You know, they're very young. So, uh, but you know, it, it only helps when you're someone like Crosby and become you go through so much like he has, and you really figure out your game and exactly how to play, and it becomes very easy while you're still kind of young. You just turned 30. And obviously, the way athletes keep themselves in shape now and eat and don't and don't eat beers like they used to so many years ago, they they age they age better and they're they're really you know where the old days you might have started slowing down uh, when you hit thirty because you were probably on about twenty thousand beers by that point. Um, you know, Crosby has protein shakes after games. They used to have Budweisers and smoke. You know what I mean? So they age much better. So. Uh, now he will slowly slow down a little bit now that he's turned 30, but so he still has that age where he's, he's perp- in the, his purpose. He has hockey still the most important thing in his life, and he has so much experience and still has all his talents and and uh, as well. Where Ian McDavid is still very young, probably who knows? Does he even have a serious girlfriend? Does he have a serious yeah. girlfriend? But, you know, Crosby never even got married, so he's never had even any kind of distraction. He's kind of like a Derek Jeter in that regard. They didn't have any kids, didn't have a wife didn't have anything that would kind of pull them from their training and their purpose and their visualization and just their whole thing. It's all hockey, hockey, hockey. So you never know behind the scenes of these guys' private life, what's going on that can affect their purpose. And is this the most important thing in my life? But certainly McDavid is right there in terms of a magical player and his talent is just off. I've never seen anybody faster on ice in the history of the game, the way he skates with the puck. Um, and so I, you, you, certainly you couldn't lose. I, certainly I would not be surprised if the Oilers went to the Stanley Cup final this year because they have McDavid. Obviously, you need more than that. There's 18 players on a team, and, uh, skaters on a team, and, and a couple of goalies. But certainly that's a great start. And 
when you get into playoffs and you have these guys that can do these magical things. So it's, it's a great question, and I, it would be a great Stanley Cup matchup to see you Crosby and the McDavid head-to-head. Um, it would be great for the league, and it would be something. And they're very close. And if you had a GM draft this year, it would be fun if everybody just played one year you know, to take everybody off every team and you have a draft and they're going to be on that team for one year and then they'll go back to their old team. Uh, I think Crosby would go first and, and McDavid would probably go second. Interesting. So now from two future Hall of Famers uh, to another, you know, living legend, I have a question. All summer, I have been begging NHL teams to sign Yarmir Yager. Now, I know with the injuries with the St. Louis Blues, there was, you know, they were drawing interest. Apparently, Yager was drawing interest. And then there was a report that they signed Scotty Upshaw. So that leads me to the question to you. Are we going to see Yarmir Yager in the NHL this season? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I'm sure, obviously, he, he doesn't really know the answer to that is, uh, either. Um, you know, he's 45 years old, which is amazing. Turns 46 in February. Played all 82 games last year. Um, and, you know, was productive. He, he actually probably could have been even more productive. He had 16 goals and, um, you know, almost 50 points. Uh, but, you know, he, he still produced. I went to a game in New York and watched the Ranger-Panther game. And, uh, and to watch him in person, it's like, wow, you, you really see his mind and how he thinks the game and, and, uh, and how he's totally in the game and kind of thinks really two steps ahead of everybody else. That's how he keeps up at 45. Yeah, and so certainly he's in great shape. He doesn't seem like, you know, some people probably think he might suck some air from the room. Not because he's a, a bad guy. Back in the in the older days, he did not have a great reputation with, with uh, you know, equipment people and everyday people. He just didn't quite have the energy that he really has now, and, and just the relaxation. He's kind of figured himself out. He found his voice, and he just, just really is so centered on hockey right now. He's really a joy to be around. It seems it doesn't seem like he would take any air out of the room and be a distraction and, uh, you know, require a big locker or certain little rules. Cause you are a veteran and people respect you so much. And maybe some teams are afraid the young people will kind of, uh, defer too much in a leadership way in an on ice way in a vocal way, because Yager's right there, this legend and, and maybe they feel like that's part of the, the issue, not that he's a bad guy or not that he wouldn't be decently productive on a third line situation. But, you know, a lot of times those third lines or fourth lines are kind of energy, physical, young lines. And that maybe that's and people maybe sort of thinking that way, although now more and more teams are trying to get skill and scoring in each line with a, as well as responsibility offensively and defensively. So. Yeah, I certainly hope we see him because he's so interesting and, and, like I said, so fun to watch in person. It's a big deal if you go to a game and Yager is playing because you're looking at a guy, an absolute legend who has scored, you know, so many goals uh, uh, in the NHL, 765 goals. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a deal. It's a big deal when you see him there. It, it kind of gives the arena some juice. And, uh, so, uh, and I'm sure as, if, as the season starts and he's not on a team, which seems likely now, cause the season starts next week and he's thinking, well, maybe is there a chance to, like, do I do play in the Olympics one more time, uh, for my country? Is that possible? Or, you know, I don't know what he's thinking in that regard. So, um, I hope we will, I think we will. And, um, like I said, if you have a chance to go see him play in an arena near you, I really would, would do that. Cause obviously I think 
you know, this year would probably be the last year. Yeah, I also I think I actually went to the same game as you. I think I was at that game last season with the Panthers and the Rangers. And oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, seeing that guy on the ice at the age of 45 just it's just mind blowing. And seeing him skate around and keep up with everyone was just unbelievable. And yeah, you know, I, just, I was surprised. Yeah, he just has so much respect from everyone in the league. And, it, you know, it would be nice to see him, you know, back at it. But like you said, I mean, I can understand if he wants to go to the Olympics and represent the Czech Republic one more time or anything like that. Um, you know, he's a special player, obviously a legend and see him in the Hall of Fame. But it's, it's kind of disappointing in a way for fans like us who want to see this guy on the ice one more time in a National Hockey League jersey. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, living legend and hopefully he can continue to produce and maybe an NHL team will sign him and go from there. Well, he, he will be exactly. playing, he will be playing for his, uh, he owns a team in the Czech where he'll be playing with a second, I think it's a second level, uh, second tier level, um, Czech team, uh, in which he owns. So he can go play over there without any, you know, someone could give him a call from the NHL and he can head right over. So he will be playing hockey. So who knows? Hopefully we will see him. I saw, you know, the temptation from the blues and I got excited and then they decided to go with Scotty Upshaw. So, so be it. Um, let's move on to our next topic with you. Um, I want your season predictions. So let's start off with the Eastern conference. Um, and pretty much, I just want to know, I just, you know, a lot of people don't think that a lot of people like the Penguins again, but a lot of people are saying that's a lot of hockey over three years, you know, back-to-back cups. Can they do it again? Um, so who are your favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference? Certainly when you, you know, you think of playoff locks or teams that are, you know, I always, I always start there. These teams I, I think are definitely in. And, you know, for me right now, I think that is, I think that's still Washington. Um, certainly there's always questions with that team. The playoff disappointment is building up a lot of scar tissue, but there's still a lot of good young players there. And, you know, 118 points last year, you wouldn't expect a drop off of, you know, 25 points from them. So they, they still got to be a lock. You know, the Penguins are certainly still, still a lock coming off back-to-back cups. And, and so, but unless they were just ravaged with injuries, um, and uh, especially, you know, they've been very, they've been fortunate with two really good goalies the last couple of years to withstand goalie injuries because goalie injuries can really bury a team. So that's, a, that's probably the only concern there possibly um, for the Penguins. But, you know, I see them as a playoff lock. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a playoff lock um, this year. They're good for a long time now. They're going to start, you know, one of the best runs in their franchise history with all the young players that they have. Um, you know, it might not match the original six, obviously back in the way back in the day when they're winning Stanley cups, it's harder now with 31 teams, but, uh, you know, so I see certainly Washington, Pittsburgh, Toronto as locks. I think Columbus is probably a playoff lock as well. 108 points last year, adding Panarin could eventually add Duchesne again, maybe, uh, if the Colorado ever pulls the trigger. So I'd probably have those four as locks. Um, Tampa Bay, certainly real close to a lock, um, you know, 94 points last year, battling some injury with Stamkos. Uh, the team's a little bit different now. They trade Duran and, and they're probably trying to get that next level. They kind of reached a hump and they probably would like to get there. But so, you know, those, now you're up to five. So now you have five teams that I, you know, see that I think those teams are pretty set as playoff teams. Now you have three more spots for the rest of the conference and the rest of the conference you know, is, is pretty close. You know, certainly Ottawa, 
um, you know, at 98 points last year, but there were a minus two goal differential. Yeah, that could go either way, an injury here, an injury there. Uh, the Bruins, same thing. They look like they'll make the playoffs. You know, they got 95 last year. They got some some good veterans, you know, Marchand and, and, and Bergeron starting to get up there a little bit, but, and some young players who seem pretty good to Garaskin has won the Vezina before, but, you know, sometimes his name is better than maybe his true production level. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you, know, you wonder about them. And then Florida, you know, they, I've always been bullish on Florida, but you know, are they going to be able to, to make a move back up again after disappointing year last year? Um, the, I love John Tavares and the Islanders. They won their last six games last year and, and, uh, you know, just missed 94 points. Carolina's up and coming. I, you know, like, I think the Devils are building a good roster. Uh, I believe Jack Eichel will win a scoring title some year and be an MVP. Huge talent. He could break out and have a massive year this year. So Buffalo's going to be in that bubble team. So for me, it's just, you know, who are those three other teams after those five locks I gave you? Capitals, Blue Jackets, Penguins, um, you know, Toronto. And, and probably and probably Tampa Bay. Um, and then, of course, you know, Montreal at 103 points. We didn't even mention, didn't even mention uh, the Rangers, who are still very solid, 102-point team last year. Shattenkirk will really help their power play. He's one of the best back there. And so, to me, I just think almost every team from 8 um, all the way down to 15, or really from 6 to 15, are all bubble teams. And if you get off to that good start by Thanksgiving, then you can manage your way in. So, I give you those five, and the rest really, like I said, it's uh, if you had to, you know, push me for the last three, I'd probably go, you know, you know, Bruins and uh, and Rangers and, and and Islanders. So Justin and I have had a feud over the past month or so, actually like two months or so, and we interviewed Linda Cohn from also from ESPN, and she sided with me on this one. Do you believe Dan Girardi is worth three million dollars? Three million dollars. Um, there's probably a chance he's worth three million dollars. Is really your average? You're an average defenseman when you make three million dollars. That's probably the that's probably the average number that you would have for an average defenseman. And um, all the hard all the hard things he does in front of the net, blocking shots, um, having an idea of how the NHL game works and how to deal, you know, with his, you know, obviously he has some limited capabilities in terms of his speed and and agility now, and uh, maybe always did, but especially as he get older and accumulate injuries. But he knows how the game works. He knows how the puck reacts around the net, where his goalie is, where he wants him, not screening the goalie. Little things that you really can't see or measure. So I would think in the in that final analysis, you know, someone like a like a Dan Girardi, um, you know, would be would be worth about. You know, we worth about three million dollars. What do you? Does she? Yeah, she. No, she agreed with yeah, Pedro. She agreed, she agreed yeah. with Pedro. She thought, you know, with his veteran presence and all that, he is, you know, worth the price tag. Uh, I just think, you know, the John Tortorella system, kind of, you know, with all the blocking of the shots, it, it kind of took a toll on his body. And we are Ranger fans, and you know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but I do think, you know, his play has progressively slowed down. And I just, you know, the buyout happens, and I, I don't think he's worth a three million dollar contract. But I guess, you know, I'm the only one on that boat. I so. think I won this debate. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to yeah, you. Yeah, no, Pedro. no, hey, hey, you know, you might be right. I mean, he might be more of a one five two five guy now, and um, you know, close to thirty four years old. But he's not going to score. He never, he always scores just a few goals a year, and then as his, 
you know, and now he's really, you know, is really limited in, in, the, in how much he scores. And so he's, you know, basically, you know, turned into a 20 point player. So yeah, you're not going to pay a lot for that. And he really hasn't even reached 20 points the last two years. So uh, 15 and 17. So yeah, he's, you know, he's not going to get the big power play time. So he's not going to accumulate points uh, at all anymore. You know, his career high was you know, 31, you know, so you reach 40, you're a good player, but certainly back in the day, like you said, when he was playing 26, 25 minutes a night, they were a very defensive oriented team around Lundqvist because they didn't have the scoring depth up front. Mm-hmm. He was, he, he, you know, they built kind of stuff around him and around his, his game. And he was, you know, he was sixth in the Norris voting one year, but that was his peak. You know, his peak was kind of limited in, 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 a, in a short period. But lucky for him, he timed it out with his contract. They got a lot of money probably overpaid by a lot. And then certainly now, like you said, he probably, you know, upon further review, you're, you're, you know, you're, he probably is more one five to two, five guy. Three is probably still a little bit much, but, um, but, you know, he'll, he'll survive this one and, and maybe he can play close to that figure. And then, uh, and, and then, then, like I said, if he saved his money, and has tons of it still, and he doesn't have to play when he's 35, 36 for a million bucks a year. He could just, you know, retire and enjoy his family. Yeah, absolutely. So now we got your Eastern Conference. Uh, I want to move on to the Western Conference. So, who are your locks for the playoff for the uh, for the playoffs for the Western Conference? Certainly, we start with McDavid. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be a lock for as long as he you know, the rest of his prime. So certainly, he, he's in great shape. There's no reason why Anaheim won't be good again. Um, they had 105 points last year and obviously had a great playoff run. And uh, so, you know, I, I think Anaheim should be, should be that lock again. Um, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks, Taze and, and Kane are still young enough and, and they got Brandon Saad back and the defense is starting to get, you know, they'll start to age a little bit and, and there'll be some tread wear there, but uh, you got to still think Chicago is in, in a good spot. Nashville, they should carry that vibe from last year's cup run um, and, and continue going on. They, they probably would like to improve on last year's 94 point season and become a hundred point team. You would think they would. I'm not a big fan of Renee and net. I think his game is starting to chip away. And I know he was really good last year, but then um, in the playoffs, he had, he kind of, again, was worn down kind of like the Lundquist factor where so much is dependent upon you. It, it can shorten your career a bit on the back end. Um, you know, I really like those four. Now, again, you got to think there's enough in San Jose. Um, you know, things are starting to happen there. And, and you know, Marlowe is gone. And, and what if Thornton slows down? And, and so certainly that's why there's some hesitancy there with San Jose. Calgary looks like they're coming a really good young team. So we'll give Calgary the fifth lock of that conference, um, along with Anaheim and, and Edmonton and in Chicago and Nashville. So there, there's probably five locks. I think Calgary is a good lock this year. Man, it's the same thing as the other conference. Now, obviously Las Vegas won't be good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Vancouver still probably won't be good. And Arizona is probably still a little too young. So I don't think those three teams have a chance. Uh, could Colorado possibly make a huge jump? Probably not. So there's another one. So the West is kind of top heavy where I think everyone in the East really goes in the season with like, we can do this. We can get to 94 points and get a, and get the eighth spot. In the West, I don't think you have that with Colorado out, Vancouver out, Arizona out, and then Las Vegas out. So that leaves you with the rest of the, you know, you, you have Dallas, 
who I thought would be very good last year. They'll obviously improve on 79 points. You have Winnipeg, who seems to have so much talent. They won their last seven games of the year. Didn't make it, but, you know, they they kind of – that's a team a lot of people thought they would be for most of the year. Um, Los Angeles certainly has the pedigree of Stanley Cup champions, future Hall of Famers. Um, but they were a minus four goal differential as the conference passed them by because Edmonton's now a locked playoff team. Calgary's now a locked playoff team. Um, does that now bring that keep LA out again? That's a, that's a, you know, that's a great question. Uh, we mentioned San Jose. I mean, 99 points, they should make it. Um, but you know, what's the, what's, where are they going now? Can, are the young, are the young players getting better or as Couture and Pavelski, are they going to start getting hurt and maybe digress, you know, uh, digress a little bit? We'll see. And then, um, and then St. Louis is, is an interesting question with 99 points. They seem like, I think they're going to be a bubble team. So you get those five locks and then you get the, those teams in the bottom in the West, which I, like I said, I don't see that in the East having those teams, those teams are going to be back in the lottery. And then you have those, like I said, LA, San Jose, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas fighting and Minnesota fighting for those for those spots again, Minnesota could, should, should, could you make the argument? Come on, man. They're one of those locks that'll bring you to six. I, I, okay, I could see that. Like I could probably be sold. Okay. Yeah. They're a plus 58 goals last year. Um, they're, 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 they still have a good vibe about them. They're going to be a lock. So now that's five locks in the West. Now you have three teams, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas, LA, San Jose, those five teams fighting for those, you know, three more spots. Yeah. So that means two of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs, you know? And, and so that's when you, when you get there, you realize, well, wow, LA and St. Louis might not make the playoffs. They've been like stalwarts recently, um, but they both might not make the playoffs, especially if you don't get off to a good start. So it's really interesting when you break it down that way, you look at your locks, you look at who's not going to make it. And then you look at the bubble. And that's where I really, that I like to look at the bubble on the East and West to realize, wow, now there's a chance Buffalo could make it in the East. And you look at, wow, there's a chance LA might not make it again or St. Louis might not make it, um, or Winnipeg might, or who's Dallas and Winnipeg going to replace if they get in, you know? So it, it's interesting. I think it's safe to say that the the strong conference now is the Eastern Conference. I think we can make that assessment that the power has moved to the East. Um, I think the East is a lot faster, um, more, uh, more skillful, I think, a little bit. Um, but I think it's you know safe to say that the East has the stronger teams. Well, when you add, you know, when you add Eichel and McDavid or Eichel and Matthews, like they did, that, that that's huge. And um, you know, so them being down and Toronto coming on so quickly, adding those those number one draft picks, and then getting Babcock, and then having that strong front office and and doing the right things for them to get better so quickly, that really helped. But but don't you know, don't sleep on you know Dallas with Tyler Sagan could come back and he could win the scoring title. You know, he could come back strong. And Calgary has really a lot of good young players and certainly with McDavid and, and Edmonton and all their young players. Um, so they're, yeah, they've kind of replaced, like you said, you know, the LA's and, and Vancouver's down. San Jose's obviously going to trend the other direction as they age and won't be able to rep- replace those players with top three lottery picks. Cause you know, NHL is one of those sports you win Stanley cups by having number one, number two, number three, overall draft picks. That's, that, that's how you do it. You know, the penguins, have a couple. They have, an, you know, they have multiple number over last few years. They had multiple number one overall picks, and uh, you know, Flurry and Crosby, and they had Malkin who was a number two. And you look at Chicago with Kane was a one, and 
Taze was a top five, and you need number one overall picks in like the NBA and the, and the NHL. That's how you win. Doesn't you don't need it in football and don't need it in baseball, but hockey and basketball are that's the key. And so if your conference or your team is no longer getting those number one, number two overall picks, you think have to wait a long time till you're bad enough to get them again. And then those guys are old enough to, to start winning cups. So that's why it's very difficult when you get stuck in the middle, like Detroit is right now and where St. San Jose is heading. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good, good enough to just kind of be a bubble team, but not good enough to get those elite, elite players that you, that you need to build around. Um, I want to talk about the Calder Trophy, the rookie of the year. I know it's early right now since you haven't seen these kids play, but over the past couple of years, we've kind of had a sense who would win it. Um, you know, last year you had Austin Matthews, uh, you had obviously Patrick Laine as well. Um, and then the year before that, you had Connor McDavid, who unfortunately was injured for most of the year. And then Panarin obviously won it. This year, to me, it seems like there's no clear winner. I feel like it's just wide open. Um, you have, honestly, my personal favorite is Charlie McAvoy coming out of Boston um, with his playoff experience last year. And just, we just got a sense, we just got a taste of how we can play. Um, and then obviously you have uh, Nico Heischer in New Jersey and Nolan Patrick in Philadelphia. Um, do you have any personal favorite who you think will win the Calder Trophy next season? Yeah, I agree. That's going to be wide open. You know, uh, you can add Clayton Keller of Arizona could be a guy. I saw him play in, in college last year for Boston University. He's probably uh, probably was the most exciting player in college hockey last year for BU. He's on Arizona, so he's going to get a chance to play a lot. He's really a small, but he's really an exciting player. Uh, he sure you mentioned him. I think I'm very bullish on him for what I've seen. I think he's going to be very good and has a chance to be productive and he should get that ice time as well. I agree with McAvoy being, having that experience, being an aggressive offensive player, uh, really will help him because he's fearless and he has some experience. The team is good. He's a chance to put up numbers and and be a good offensive type of player. I've always, since I first saw him as a freshman, I always compared him to Drew Doughty, and um, and people are starting to kind of see that now. That I, they probably thought I was crazy when I was first making that first making that comparison, but um, you can kind of see it now. And but and also maybe a sleeper is uh is Bjork with Boston. He's been playing with Marchand and playing with Bergeron, and um, and if he plays with them, I think he'll score eighteen to twenty goals. 15 to 20 goals and get, you know, maybe 30, 40 assists. I think he can be really productive playing with those guys. He played for Notre Dame last year, uh, Anders Bjork and, and was, is a high motor, very serious athlete. And I get to talk to these players off the ice when I go to the frozen four and Notre Dame made the frozen four this year. And you talk to this guy and he's just like a, he's like a pro. Some guys just act like a pro. They're very serious. Answer your questions. You can see it in their demeanor. They're not immature. They're not, flippant they're not you know and they're not playing any games they're just very serious and and he he made a very big impression on me and so i'm not surprised he's doing well and will probably stick and the fact he's playing with that first line shows him he's responsible and has the talent to keep up with bergeron and marchand so like i said he could he could be a guy that could bust out and get 60 points and lead all rookies and and kind of stink up because you're right i think that this is the year we don't have that generational player the NHL has been blessed the last few years to see a McDavid and to see a Line A and to see an Eichel and to see a Matthews enter the league. You know, that's, that's, didn't ha- that's not happening again for a while. That, that doesn't happen like that. And so these are really, really good young players, but no one like that. And um, so it is open. It is wide open. It, it's going to be 
really about ice time, opportunity, getting off to a good start and feeling good about yourself. And uh, it, it is a, a bit of an unknown this year, which is kind of fun. Uh, so obviously we're big Ranger fans, as you mentioned too many times. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Rangers moves, uh, roster moves that happened yesterday. Um, they kept Philip Heedle, um, their 21st overall pick this year, and they sent Leas Anderson back to Sweden to play for, for Lunda. Um, they kept Paul Carey. They kept Desjardins, which still don't understand why. Um, do you have any thoughts on how the Rangers assessed their team and how they approached it? Well, you know, obviously they are, you know, it's the, the top heavy guy is going to really determine, you know, what they look like, you know, in terms of, you know, Zabin and Jazz staying healthy, Zuccarello and, you know, Kreider, the big line, you know, obviously looking for them to produce. Can Jimmy BC step it up a little bit and uh, get more consistent ice time if he, if he does play with Hayes and Miller? Um, yeah, that's a decent one two punch. Again, they're not going to, Rangers don't bludgeon you with offensive talent. And so, you know, they have to be balanced and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and get good goaltending and defense. So that's, that's why I have them a bit of, a, not quite as one of those locks in the East, because what if they get a couple injuries in the top six forwards? Um, what if, you know, Lundqvist's game after all those years carrying the team, is, is there a little bit of a drop off? Is there injury? Um, so in terms of what, you know, the, the, the bottom six guys and how they see them and how they put them together and, and obviously, Paul Carey had a good camp. He was, you know, putting the puck in the net a couple of times, which I know they would probably look in. He's, he's a veteran guy. Um, you know, he's almost 30 years old, so they probably kind of kind of like that look. Um, and, you know, he also had to put him on waivers, I think, to go to the Hartford, which they, maybe they're afraid they would lose him. And uh, so there's, you know, how they see them and how they fit in is really uh, the coach's eye and how he sees uh, the team. And he knows the difference between regular season hockey and, and training camp hockey. That's when you have a good coach, a veteran coach, they can probably see that and see uh, if he did that in the regular season against a full lineup, we'd get burned there. So, you know, they can make those mental notes that a lot of us uh, fans can't because uh, they, they can, they realize who, who's playing on the other team. And that would not have happened. That if we, if, you know, we, we do that against a full Bruins team will get toasted there. And so, and that's how they, when they judge these players, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, so yesterday I saw it on Twitter, actually um, on ESPN.com, there was an article that came out and uh, it was why the Rangers should have traded Henrik Lundqvist instead of Cam Talbot. Um, do you believe that the Rangers made a wrong decision when they traded Talbot instead of Lundqvist? Maybe. I mean, when it's all said and done, you, you maybe look back and see, I think it, you probably still need another year or two to make that assessment. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist is such a rock star. He's such a huge heart. Uh, he can carry that team to such, to such great heights, so close to a Stanley Cup. Um, obviously, when you factor in salary and things like that in production, you know, maybe you could possibly make that argument after this year, maybe after next year, if, uh, if, if Lundqvist's game does go backwards or he gets injured. And obviously Talbot in Edmonton with a great explosive Oiler team. Um, you know, Lundqvist, like I said, he's had so much on his shoulders and back for so long. Again, this is still not a great offensive team. There's no offensive superstars on the team. Um, it's a good balance squad that they'll need. Uh, but, you know, they got to play a very solid all-around game. They can't afford injuries. 
And uh, that's why that's why I have them as a bubble team. We just don't know. Yeah, they could get 100 points again if everything goes right. But just a couple injuries and 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 keep an eye on the defense on the defense and keep an eye on the goalie. Then then it could they could zip follow to a low 90 point team. Still not terrible, but obviously low 90s won't get you in the playoffs. So that that is an interesting question. Um, I've always kind of you know erred on the side of of rooting and pulling and giving Lundqvist a lot of respect with his play. And like I said, how hard he plays. Um, but again, sometimes that'll wear on a guy and he'll start to get, he'll lose production late quickly. And so that certainly that is an argument that, you know, that's what's fun about sports. We're going to have those arguments and think about that and start comparing numbers and looking at games. And, and that's certainly a fair thing uh, to, to look at. And especially after this season, that would be a decent argument. Awesome. So now, now we were talking, you know, barring any injuries. So barring any injuries, who do you see in the Stanley Cup final this upcoming season? Certainly, like, you know, as we said, Pittsburgh is still a big favorite because it does not seem like anybody has really stepped forward and, uh, and, and come close. But, you know, when you see how close they were last year to losing, uh, you know, certainly you could – you, you can make the case for a couple of other teams. Um, so, you know, maybe Tampa Bay, I, I still like their coaching. I like their, I like their whole full roster. If you want to do something a little bit different and, and get away from Pittsburgh, cause it's really unlikely to win three in a row. Um, you know, once ESPN.com asks us for our official predictions to turn those in, you know, I might go, I might go towards the, towards the Tampa Bay and say, yeah, I, I think, you know, look at their roster and look at everything in place. I might go with them. So, uh, you know, that's something to think about for me. Or if this is the final, final of the year that Ovechkin and, and Washington breaks through. I think if I pick up every year, eventually I'll be right. right? <laughs> so uh, so I'll probably go between those three. You know, I, I'd love to see a team like Columbus, you know, having spent some time in Ohio and really uh, a team that can really – have a scene outside the arena, a little bit like Nashville last year. I think you'd see a big response like that from a, a city like in Columbus. Um, and in the West, you know, do you, do you, do you ride McDavid and, and that team and, and dry title and, and just, are they going to make that move? Like I talked about before, young teams often could get right to the Stanley cup. They had 103 points last year. They could certainly see them in that 110 area now and, and bust on through. So, I, I, I'll probably lean towards taking McDavid and uh, and Edmonton uh, to reach the final this year. And, um, you know, eventually I'd love to see that McDavid-Matthews final. I just don't think Toronto is quite ready yet. I mean, I think they'll be a 100-point team this year. But I, I just wonder, multiple playoff rounds, that grind, uh, do, do they have the goalie for it yet? Um, that, that would be uh, – that would be the thing, but that's, what's great about the great about the season. You look at Montreal, Carey price gets red hot and they have some scoring. They could get to the Stanley Cup final in the East. You know, when you have a guy like Carey price, you never know. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think we'll go, maybe we'll go Tampa Bay Edmonton. Um, and I know the media won't like that travel. That's probably the worst travel combination you could have. <laughs> uh, no direct flight to all day and all day to get there. But um, I think maybe I'll lean towards that, uh, but, you know, uh, for my prediction. One thing I don't understand is this whole Carey Price love fest type thing. Um, I don't understand why he's considered the best in the league. I mean, I, I look at his numbers, yes, but he has no 
I don't feel he has any playoff success. I mean, you know, obviously he lost in the first round last year to the Rangers. Um, in 2014, he got hurt um, against the Rangers, uh, and then Dustin Tokarski took over after that. But I, I don't understand the love fest with Carey Price and him being the best goalie in the league. Do you see why he is? I think a lot of it, you know, the, that's probably somewhat of a fair point. I mean, he's having, having the massive year that he had in 2015 when he won the MVP and uh, he won the, you know, he won the Lester Pearson, the players pick for MVP and, uh, and obviously the Vezina. That was an, an insane year, um, 1.96 goals against and uh, led the league in save percentage and, you know, played a bunch of games, 66 games. So that was a gigantic year. But other than that, you know, you got a point. Um, he's been injured. He uh, didn't play much the next year. Um, last year, he was very average. Um, he hasn't come close to win the Vezina again, except that one year. I think a lot of it is Canadian media. Um, he's had a lot of success with Olympics and certainly going back, you know, to his, to his, to his junior days. And, um, you know, he's just, he's 30 years old. He's, uh, just a guy that, you know, he was a very high draft pick, fifth overall, which for goalie is, you know, really, really high. And so, yeah, so he's probably been the benefit of some, some media and, you know, really good media coverage and, and people talking about him. But, you know, so you, you kind of throw in the gold medal and then you throw in the, throw in, like you said, uh, the MVP year. But other than that, I think, I think you actually have a, you have a, a, a decent argument. Uh, that perhaps you look at his playoff numbers. Only if, you know he had good numbers last year. Uh, the team just you know just didn't score. You know he had a 9.33 save percentage, 133 goals against. But other than that, his playoff numbers are not good. They're kind of like Lundqvist in a way, where his numbers his numbers go down the postseason, and you, your numbers cannot go down in the postseason when you're goalie. They have to go the other way. Mm-hmm. They have to be gaudy. There's always one or two goalies that have gaudy stats. Um, I want to talk about the new NHL rules that they are implying this season. Um, obviously, during the preseason, I've watched all the Ranger games. I think there was about 100 penalties in those six games because of these slashing yeah. calls. Um, what do you think of the whole slashing situation? And do you think the NHL is becoming too soft? No. I, I, I was one last year that uh, I thought the stick slapping was completely out of hand last year when you were watching the game. You know the microphones are so good now yeah. um, around the around the NHL telecast that you all you hear is slap slap. A guy would get the puck and slap 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 right. on the stick and on the hands and and you know it, whether it's a cornerback guard and a wide receiver or if, you know LeBron James is on the fast break, a guy can't just reach out and tug his front elbow or tug him on the hip or tug him on the shoulder. Once he establishes I'm in front of you, you can't impede him anymore. You have, you'd have to use your legs and maybe get your shoulder in front. And um, certainly I don't want pond hockey out there, but the ability just to just a little tug or a little whack, um, just you have to at some point start calling that stuff. And you hate to see power players. We love flow. A lot of it's on the players and just saying, hey, you know, we have to have some honor. I know in the end it's a battle out here. We'll put anything to win and we want that. That's part of what makes sports great. But uh, I did think it got out of hand with just a slapping, slapping, slapping hand, elbow, um, and just and, and it just it makes the game not as not as uh, attractive. So I agree with that. They'll find the middle ground in, in the face-off thing. They'll find the middle ground. Just get the puck and drop it quickly. The face-off in the end is not going to. It's not a huge deal. Uh, you, 
you can get the puck back pretty quickly. Obviously, in your own end, you can win draws and people draw plays, but that's very rare when you think of the thousands of face-offs, how, much, how many times it really directly leads to a goal. Right. Um, if the players are there, if the players are there quickly, drop it quickly, and then there's less chance of, of anybody getting a few other just drop it quickly. Right. And, um, and, and so, yeah, that one's not a big deal. But yeah, I'd like to see just get, get the guys kind of reset. You can't be whacking and slashing. And uh, if a guy's in front of you, pump your legs, try to get there in front of him, try to get the puck, and, and maybe that'll make for a little more flowing game. All right. Well, John, uh, we don't want to, you know, we could go on and on and on and just dissect your brain about everything that you know. And, you know, um, but we do want to, you know, I know I only told you around 45 minutes to an hour. We're getting up to that 55 minute mark. Uh, I just personally want to say thank you so much. You know, I, I shot you the email two days ago and now two days later, you know, we're we're conducting an interview with you for our podcast, which is just it's an unreal experience for us. You know, we're, you know, a small podcast that just love doing it for the love of hockey and we just love talking hockey. So to have you come on, it's really, truly an honor. So just want to start off with that. Um, you can, uh, to all of our listeners, I don't need to, you know, tell you who this guy is. This guy, he's, he's Bucci main. Um, you can go to his, you can go to his website, uh, Uh, go purchase a shirt, you know, go purchase a sticker or whatever you want. Go purchase something. It goes to charity. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Bucci That's at B U C C I G R O S S. Uh, John, once again, thank you so much. It's really been an honor and a pleasure having you on our show. Oh, it was fun. You guys know what you're talking about and you're good at what you do. And it was really enjoyable. And I could have gone on and on. So that's a good sign uh, uh, when you enjoy talking hockey with fans, especially this time of year. So it was, it was my pleasure. I really appreciate the, the nice words. It really makes me feel good. And, um, and uh, just looking forward to a great season and, and uh, interacting with great fans like you guys and fellow media members like you guys. And you're doing a You'll help grow the game as well, and thank you so much for your uh, for a great time. And now we we said this to Linda, we uh, so we're gonna offer it out to you as well. Uh, whenever you're in New York and want to go catch a uh, Ranger game, you let us know, and we're there. I love it. Let's do it. Let's we'll set it up. You, you don't you don't gotta tell me. Uh, we'll set it up. Uh, thank you again, John. Right, it's, it's been a pleasure. We appreciate it. You bet. Peace, boys. Later. See ya. Well, that was a surreal, that was, you know, between that, sorry, dark guy, sorry, you know, Trav, but, uh, so that, that was, you know, top two. I mean, who, Pedro, let me ask you this. When we started drop the puck podcast 19 weeks ago, would you have thought that we would have interviewed Linda Cohn and John Butchergrass? No, I would never, um, you know, these are two very profound professionals, in their in their sport and obviously their sport is hockey and it was just it's a surreal like you said it's it's surreal and to have two people like that come on our podcast is big and uh you know it was it's always it was a pleasure talking to linda she was very sweet and honest about everything and just amazing and having Bucci Main come on is just it's surreal and it was an awesome experience and we have two people we have to go to Ranger games 